0: And welcome to episode 002 of the T-Better's Bulletin Podcast for DT Talk. I'm your host T-Better, coach of T-Better The New, and this week we're joined by some fantasy royalty. I'm sitting down here next to Hook, uh, he's the reigning Dream Team Champion. How are you going Hook and can you give us some of your credentials for the guys who might not know you so well? Uh, g'day T-Better.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've been playing this game for six seven years and the last three or four years have been done alright. Last year was yep. pretty good, number <laughs> one. <laughs> But, Always um, nice to say. Yeah, and held on to there for uh, pretty much most of the year. Yeah, and uh, managed to pull it off in the end.
0: Awesome. And so, how's that changed your off season? Did you take more of a more of a break, or have you been sort of just can't help yourself from hitting the numbers still?
1: Uh, I didn't want to see another game of football for a while. <laughs> uh, I was pretty pretty stressed at the end, but uh, yeah, I, I still enjoyed the off season. I just came off doing the the big bash fantasy. Yeah. We picked up a bit of cash in that as well. Oh, really? I didn't know that. How'd you go? Yeah, number one league. So we shared six grand between eight
0: of us. By the way, I love the um, the new league prizes that they have for real dream team. Big bonus,
1: yeah. That's
0: something they've been missing for a couple of years, especially when you get a good group of guys together and they all know their stuff. It's nice to be rewarded. All right. Well, I would like some of your genius to rub off on me. So I think we'll flash back to last year and see if we can learn anything. Okay, so number one in the competition, big thing. We know with Schellers a couple of years ago, he was one of the, one of the guys a lot of the DT Talk boys got on board with. He was coming first for pretty much half the season, similar situation to you, and then he just got pipped at the post. And he said that was so stressful that he actually didn't play the game last year. How did you handle the nerves, and what were the closing rounds like for you? Uh, to
1: start with, it was all pretty exciting, got to talk to the DT Talk guys, and <laughs> You know, I had an interview on SEN, and uh, it was pretty cool. Uh, but after a few weeks of leading, uh, it got more and more stressful. Uh, watching the footy became hard, and uh, just relaxing on the weekend was difficult. So yeah. come Friday night, I uh, had the beers ready, and uh, lockout looming, uh, it was pretty stressful. Of but, course,
0: uh, yeah, lockout would just be a massive relief. Once you've made your changes, you can't change it again. Yeah. Um, just on that, because you found it so stressful, would you rather the rolling lockout or the partial lockout that we generally come to, or a full lockout, actually, that we've come to probably appreciate in Dream Team a little bit more?
1: Um, well, I guess the partial lockout opens up a few different strategies, the loopholes and yep. stuff like that. But to be honest, I probably still prefer the full lockout.
0: Yeah, me uh, too. Get-
1: Get it over and done with on the Friday night.
0: It's always exciting. And you can just enjoy yourself and have beers and watch the footy. Yeah, that's it. What about your favourite players when you're watching them? Did you, if they weren't scoring well, did you find that you started to have some negative feelings towards them? Or?
1: Uh I didn't have a lot of Eagles in my team, so yeah. that was the main thing. Probably a scoot. good strategy last year. Yeah, that's true. Apart from Scooter and Josh Kenny, which both did alright anyway. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it does get frustrating. That's for sure.
0: One thing I want to ask you about is what do you think separated you from the pack last year? Like a lot of players have, or dream team coaches, have gone with a guns and rookie strategy and they've done good trades over the whole season. What do you think separated you in terms of either your strategy or your starting team or whatever that separated you from the pack and kept you at the top of the game over pretty much half the season?
1: Well, it definitely wasn't my starting team, it (laughs) wasn't uh, too great, but I think it was as most of the cases it's the trading strategy that gets you in front uh jumping on players early uh before everyone else is where you you gain the advantages because then they're they're picking up players you've already got to try and catch you yeah and they don't make up any ground so players like jumping on uh stevie J after one game or beams after two games you know, at their, their highest prices not worrying about break-evens, I just uh, jumped on guys earlier that I thought would give me an advantage.
0: So you're a financial officer who didn't worry too much about the pricing of your players, didn't worry about cash generation so much, more just the points.
1: I knew with uh, extra trades, and uh, you could rotate the rookies really quick yep. and make quick cash. It even allowed me to have extra primos on each line and and uh,
0: continually upgrade. Cool. Cool. With your round 23, obviously that was quite a stressful round for you and I imagine it would have been for anyone in that position. But uh, your round 23 captain decision was swan. Was that just because it was the safest thing to do or did you think he would score the most or was it just a sanity thing really?
1: Uh, well, if you had to bet 50 grand on someone, then <laughs> you're probably going to go swan uh, yeah. more times than not. It wasn't an easy choice, but in the end there was no other real choice, I don't think.
0: So you didn't consider going unique and... Keep that, keep that lead. What was the lead that you had going into the last round, if you remember? Uh, 86 points. Oh, so not a lot. So It,
1: it was pretty tight. Um, but no, I figured Swan would be the safest. Yep. So, eh.
0: Do you know what your main opponent, the guy who was coming second, obviously made a trade that we'll talk about in the second. But do you know who he went as captain? Was it Swan as well? Or did he go unique to catch that 86 points?
1: I did know. He did tell me at the time, but no, I can't
0: remember. a while ago. All right. Uh, the trade I was uh, want to mention is uh, he traded out Lee Montana. Not so. sure who he got, but Lee scored something like 186 that week. Was that a victorious moment for you while we were watching the St Kilda game, seeing that happen?
1: Yes and no. To be honest, I, I did feel for him, even yeah. though it helped me. Uh, he had a great year and he was up there and... He was trying to make a move, you can understand that And you can sure. just imagine uh, how he would feel and Watching that game It would be uh, pretty harsh so It was kind of a, a double-edged Would sort of have we'll
0: started with a couple of beers And finished with a couple more, I reckon uh, So with round 23 You ended up making a couple of trades yourself Obviously with two trades per week uh, You ended up bringing in Rewell and Minson Who scored 120 and 110 respectively Was that a huge relief for you Just to see the guys that you brought in Actually perform well And probably keep the nerves away a little bit?
1: Yeah, well, it was a bit of a safety trade. So I negated number two's big main weapons, and uh, Nick Revolt had been killing me the last few weeks, and I figured Minson would kill Melbourne as well, so I was trying to take away two of his biggest point of difference. Uh, on the Friday night, the guy I traded out, Jordan Lewis, got 120. Yeah. So I was a little bit nervous after that, thinking oh, maybe I've made the wrong choice.
0: So he was equal yeah. with re obviously, so that cancelled out. And the other guy you traded at was Hanson, who only scored the 54, so that must have been pretty
1: Yeah, he probably wouldn't have been on my field anyway, but yeah, it was good.
0: Uh, you mentioned before that you had uh, premiums across every line. I noticed with your uh, Round 23 team, you had Grimes, Stanton, Grundy, and JJK all as emergencies, where most guys would have probably been forced to start them. I was forced to start JJK. Was that a relief for you, being able to keep those guys on the bench and just feel safe that if anything were to happen, those guys would come on? And was that a deliberate trading strategy by you?
1: It was. I wish I had Stanton on the field. Yeah, 149
0: but, uh, or something. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was throughout the year. I figured I would try and not sideways trade, and I'd just keep up and down trading my rookies, and uh, slide the worst performer to the bench. Um, that way, I ended up with a, an extra primo on each line, which did help because I think. Scotland didn't play in the last round, and that's I got all right. yep. Grimes is 90-odd, yep. and uh, yeah, missed out on Stan's big one, but you get that.
0: That's all right. Obviously, not many people had stand by that stage, and one thing that you had, JJK on the bench, and he played for me and got 34 points, so obviously that's a massive boost for you and going to the last round, especially for your sanity and stuff. Yeah, well, I actually
1: switched uh, Cox into my forward line, so I didn't have to play JJK, so I traded... Hansen out for Minsen and swap Cox into yeah. my forward line.
0: And if I remember correctly, he scored around about 120 as well. Yeah, so he scored pretty awesome! Good on you, Coxie. Alright, so obviously it takes a little luck to take out the whole competition prize. There's always going to be those guys who who get blessed, and obviously you were probably a reason why you won last year. Can you think of any moments that where you got a bit lucky and it sort of turned into master strokes afterwards? There
1: was a few, yeah, mainly. More risks than luck, I guess. Guys like uh, Jordan Lewis, who at the time nobody had, yeah. and he hadn't been playing particularly well. But uh, I noticed that his uh, scoring against the weaker teams is always up there because he doesn't have to tag. Uh, so I picked him up on a, on a bit of a fixture trade and he ended up staying in my team to the last round and pumped out some good scores for me. Another... I, th-
0: I think I got on him around at, at the same time because I needed to make a second trade and he was the only forward I could afford. He was slightly under 400k, I think it was. And then, yeah, just premium scores all the rest of the season. I think he had something like a low of 70, which is obviously not great, but as his basement score, that's all right. So, yeah. And you, obviously you kept him for pretty much the end of the season, so that's nice. Any other Master Strokes you uh, uh, got, got a bit fortunate with? I think... Uh... Ellis, maybe. I
1: mean, I brought him in for a 155 and then he got injured. Oh, that's right. But, yeah. I uh, brought him in for one game for 150, traded him out, and then brought him back in again later in the year for some more good stores. So I missed his both sides of his uh, average scores.
0: Because, yeah, he had an injury there, as you just mentioned. Was it like a calf and he was out for two or three weeks? About so. three
1: weeks. And yeah. then he had a couple of slower games to come back, and then I brought him back in just as he picked it up again. So.
0: Awesome. I think one of the biggest misconceptions about doing well in Dream Team is that you need to get everything right to obviously be the champion, which you are. But you made some errors along the way, didn't you?
1: Yeah, I think it's pretty impossible to make through the whole season without doing something wrong. And for me, my starting team was pretty average, starting with guys like Mitch Robinson and Paddy Kinesis. And uh, (laughs) uh, I I was a bit worried at the start when I was ranked in the 30,000s. Yeah. But... uh, trade my way back into it but yeah you're never going to get the perfect season
0: shows just what one round it, it is only just one round not to get too upset about that and I think that was one of the only two rounds for the whole season where you scored outside of the top 30,000 for a round so obviously you improved that over the course of the season alright mate I think we'll end up looking towards the future now cause I want to see if I can have some of your genius rub off on me Okay, so obviously Real Dream Team has gone back to 30 trades this year and there is still the AFL Fantasy version of the game, which obviously you did really well on last year. Will you be playing both this year or one or the other as a preference or how will you go? I will be playing both.
1: Uh, the Real Dream Team's very familiar to me. Yes. Yeah, yep. It's, it's kind one of like an old friend. <laughs> yeah. And the 30 trades is still more than the 24 that we used to get. That's true, Yeah. Um, so yeah, it opens up doors to different strategies for each game, which
0: I like. So you'll have sort of a unique team in both and, and play it differently, obviously, tailored to the sets of rules?
1: Yeah, they're, they're both completely different at the moment, pretty much.
0: Um, in terms of your structure in your midfield, that's one thing that I've found in my teams or my at least drafts, that they've been very different. How's your midfield changing across those two comps? Uh,
1: in fantasy, I'm uh, only really concentrating on round one at the moment. Yeah. Uh, and I've stacked a midfield for that. So at the moment, I've got Ellis at 8
0: Oh, wow. So pretty much seven Sorry, seven premiums much. and Ellis is a breakout guy. Okay.
1: And um, in, in Dream Team, I've gone uh, more the traditional five.
0: Uh, five premiums.
1: And uh, three rookies on the field.
0: All right. And with your trading strategy, one thing I've always found in the past is that I've always made the two trades on the eve of round two before round three. When that, obviously the price changes take over. Will you be following the same sort of patterns that we have in the past or is there something that you learnt from last year from the two trades a week that you might sort of add back into the familiar friend of dream team
1: I think one of the things that gave me a bit of an advantage in fantasy is that even in the old dream team days I was always pretty aggressive early with my trades so you know, I'd use them early and then uh, hope for some a bit of luck at the end Yeah, and didn't always come off but I got close a couple of times and I uh, I'll probably stick to that, so yeah, I'll use my trades early.
0: I've always been more of a conservative one for the first half of the season, conservative trader, and then used my riskier trades of the second half, and so far that hasn't worked for me because I've always ended up just outside the top thousand. I think that's the curse of, of being a conservative trader, so that might be a thing for me to improve on this uh, this first half of the year. Now, you did a prospectus article, didn't you? I
1: did, yes.
0: Um, I enjoyed it very much, and one uh, thing that you concentrated on on very much, and that was the starting structure and how you've had a very similar makeup over the last couple of years when you have been top 1,000. Um, what intrigued me the most is that you had three points never take any mid prices, uh, you have three safe premiums, and you take the two potential premiums or underpriced premiums. So, with so many value options in the midfield this year, are you prepared to compromise on that formula or will you stick to your guns?
1: I don't think i compromise. It's worked well for me in the past. Yeah. Um, I've missed out on plenty of mid-prices in the middle, like uh, Maloney's and uh, guys like that. Yeah. Um, but to be honest, I think the, the points you sacrifice in the middle to start with, you can't really get back, and it's harder to catch them up. Uh, so I tend to not choose mid-prices in the middle. I want, their, I want my five primos to be scoring me the bulk of my points.
0: Okay, so that's been a bit of a theme with your teams is that you... Prioritise points over cash. Yes. Awesome. All right. So, well, obviously in the past, we've never had the the large amount of underpriced or fallen premiums to choose from. So you've got, you've got Watson, Beams, Cotchin, even Rockliffe, slightly underpriced, Thomas, maybe even Green, if you can put him in that conversation. Which of those guys are you looking at if you can only pick three or two or three using your famous structure?
1: Yeah. Um. I think Cochin and Watson are are pretty safe bets Uh, Daisy Thomas still worries me a little bit I don't really like him at M5 looks a bit weak but then if I put him at M6 it throws out the balance of the rest of my team yeah you
0: have to sacrifice a rookie obviously for his inclusion um,
1: so I'm not too keen on Daisy but obviously if he comes out looking fresh as a Daisy in the nab I might chuck him in there at number 5 but uh, at the moment I've I'm looking at having the big three, so...
0: As in Swan, Ablett and Penry, or Swan, Ablett and, and Johnson? Stevie.
1: So there's a lot of cash going at the front end there. Oh wow. And so then a couple of underpriced ones.
0: So with Ablett and Johnson, I find myself looking away from them because I find their age is an issue and also their higher price. Do you think they can keep up the output they've had over the last couple of years and especially last year or do you, will you buy them knowing that they might drop off a couple of points?
1: Yeah, they might drop off a few points. so I'm willing to to take that because of the the safety. Um, Always found in life, you get what you pay for. Yeah, And uh, if you you pay the top end for these guys, uh, they normally deliver.
0: Well, unless you had Zorka or Green like me last year, that probably rings true for most people. Another thing that you said in your prospectus article is that you like to take one and sometimes two premium ruckmen into your starting team. And obviously, in the past, we've done... uh, set-and-forget kind of ruck, like, obviously, Cox and Santa Lanes is the classic one. This year, there seems to be Sandy in most teams are too, and firstly, is he on your side? And secondly, if he isn't, and even if he is, what are some premium ruckmen that you're looking at and you're pretty keen on?
1: Yes, Sandy is in. my team. Awesome. Um, he's pretty hard to ignore at that price. Uh, could average? He's averaged 95-plus before, and he's got the potential to be in the top couple of rucks. And he started to show some some more form in the finals last year and with the preseason under his belt, I think he should he should at least average 80-plus, you would think. You would hope
0: so, yeah. Um,
1: and then in real dream team, it brings in the dilemma of the R3, which there's not a lot of cheap R3s going around at the moment.
0: Yeah, that's true. Um, just before you get to the premiums, who are you looking at at R3? Is it, is it just the classic longer and then... I
1: really don't want to play that much for longer. The, He's not really the number one ruck over there. I think Hickey's probably got that on him. Yeah, he'll probably play forward with a bit of pinch hitting in the ruck, but there's not a lot of options that I can tell. Uh, cheaper options, anyway.
0: So, are you thinking maybe R four is a bit of a throwaway option, or will you try and get a guy like Nankervis who or Curry who are outside options to to play early in the season? Um, I, I had a zero all year in R4 last year.
1: I don't really think it's that important. If, if they could get games, then, yeah, it's, it's better. So, yeah, I probably will choose Nankovic or third or something. But. You're
0: referring to Naismith in your team last year, I believe. I believe, yeah. What made you choose him just because he was the cheapest or I'd like the name? Just cheapest. Just yeah. <laughs> cheapest. All right, back to the primos. Who are the guys that you're looking at this year? Because there seems to be a whole lot of options that we can pick from.
1: Yeah. Um, at the moment, I'm liking uh, McAvoy, actually. Which is funny, because I've never really liked him in the past.
0: The but, new Hawk, obviously.
1: Yeah, uh, he's just turned 25, so he's coming into his prime. He's had a, a strong team that likes the possession of the ball. Uh, he's fit and he's got good endurance, and he's a sole ruckman there. So all, all signs point to a pretty solid year. He's, he's slightly underpriced as well.
0: Yeah, and that, obviously he was being touted as a great leader at St Kilda, so you know that he's going to be obviously at the forefront of the of the game plan and that sort of stuff. Are you worried at all of them treating him kind of like they did with Max Bailey? I think Max Bailey might be an individual situation where he was very injury-prone, but do you think that they might give him games off or or make him spend a lot of time up for with Rufford and the Ruck instead?
1: Well, I think if there was one area that the Hawks were probably lacking in, it is the Ruck over the last few years. So I think he feels that hole and that need pretty well. And I could see him with the, the... they're kicking out of defence and, and stuff like that being quite a good target in the mm-hmm. middle of the ground.
0: He's like a sandy light almost. He's a big dude and he can take that grab from uh, half-back. Appar-
1: apparently he's uh, really fit and got good endurance as well. So,
0: All right. Anyone else that you're looking at? Uh, if, uh, say if McAvoy was either injured or didn't impress in the preseason,
1: I mean, I understand the, the Lobie love at the moment. Yeah, um, it seems
0: to be the in-vogue selection Lobie.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. I'd normally like to see more than half a season. Yeah. To, to make a choice of that and we'll see what happened to Ivan Merrick last year He kind of played good end of the season And then slightly different situation And then Loby's a young guy And he's uh, got a few different attributes But yeah he'd probably be the next in line I think Yep You can't go wrong with uh, Cox either he still keeps going. you will
0: still take Cox even though he's you know, he's getting on and probably starting to tail off. Tail well, well, the,
1: well, the year he played uh, with Nick Nat and Nick Nat played most of the year, He still scored Yeah, two well. years ago,
0: obviously, yeah. He kicked,
1: what, 35, 40 goals, something like that.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, Nick Nat, they'll probably uh, look after for the first half of the year anyway. So, Well,
0: that's what I'm hearing. That he'll be definite for round one, but after that, so, sort of see how he goes with his groin. Just back to Lobie for a second, uh, the point that you made about you want to see more than half a season, it seems like he's possibly gone above his career arc, like obviously the first couple of years in in the system he hasn't really performed, but then last year he broke out uh, in a big way the second half of the year, averaging 6.8 tackles a game from like round 13 onwards, which is crazy for a Ruckman. Is that kind of what you're saying, the fact that he might be already overperforming and that he, he just sort of need to tailor expectations a little bit?
1: Um, well, maybe. I mean, it's all about managing uh, risk and percentages and stuff like that. I mean, there's quite a there's a possibility that he could keep going the way he's doing.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I just don't know if that's the way it's going to go.
0: Yeah. All right. Um. Uh, just. Uh now did you mentioned risk, what about Cruz? Is he ever taken a fancy?
1: I had him for a little bit last year. <laughs> I noticed that, yeah. And he was okay. He looks pretty good when he's on the field. He's one of those frustrating players to watch, though, because he'll have a five-point quarter followed by a 45-point quarter. Yeah. He, um, he comes in and out of the play a bit. But uh, he's obviously got the skills around the ground and kicks a goal and he does all the right things.
0: A couple of guys that you're looking closely at, closely in the NAB Cup, because um, obviously the NAB Cup started tonight, and we're not actually watching it right now, sorry about that. I uh, just want to get a couple of guys who you're looking at, who probably a couple of people might not be. Sorry to give away all your secrets. <laughs> uh, okay.
1: uh, well, I mean, everyone's watching all the rookies. You know, you've got to watch the rookies, see how they go and where they fit in and stuff like that.
0: Absolutely, um, yeah, that's no surprise that you're going to be looking at rookies.
1: Yeah. Um, from a personal point of view, I want to see how uh, Darling and Lacroix go cause with their touted midfield run role.
0: Yeah, and did you hear at the Interclub they, they went through the middle? I and, did, yeah.
1: yeah. And they're both looking good. Darling's one that I'm pretty keen on this year. He's looking fit and strong and and uh, he could have a good year.
0: So he might be one of your mid-price selections in either the forward line or the back line. In the forward line, yeah. yeah. Awesome.
1: And um, I guess... I want to see guys like uh, Martin and Sheed and, and these guys, Garlick, more so for just their footy and see what they're all about.
0: What sort of players they are. Yeah. Kind of know,
1: they've been had a lot of raps on them for a few years now, so I'm looking forward to seeing them get out and play some footy. And apart from that, you know, you look at people out of positions and, and stuff like that. New
0: roles and that kind of stuff. One guy I want to ask you about, because he seems to be very much maligned by everyone in the competition. And you can see why. He's a former number one pick. And Jack Watts, he's failed to deliver so far. He's been touted for more midfield time. I know that's been said a million times before. Do you reckon you'll get it and will you consider him? Because he is that deep EP between the forward line and the back line.
1: I might consider him if he starts well in the year. I won't start with him. Okay. Um, I think even if he is getting midfield time, it takes a little bit of time to learn the craft and and where to go to get the ball and, and everything like that. So even if he starts, I don't see it being a, you know, a huge 100-plus average straight away. But uh, if he gradually improves, he could be a, a good mid-year pickup.
0: Yeah, because I'm, I'm looking at him in the forward line particularly because I haven't nailed down a mid-price, like you've said, darling, because there doesn't seem to be a lot of forward line premiums. So Dangerfield obviously seems to be in a lot of teams. What about guys after that? Dusty, who are you thinking? Well...
1: Three of them tend, uh, tend to pop up in most teams, which is uh, Dangerfield, Dusty and Franklin. They're in the majority of teams I've seen, and all for good reason. Um, but he's underpriced and could do anything. Um, Dusty is yeah, a ball magnet, and I really like watching him play, and he uh, he's good to be able to still get as a forward. Yeah. After that, yeah, there's a whole bunch of guys that are probably mid price that people are looking at, such as Zorko that you mentioned.
0: Uh, <laughs> Zorko, um, I don't know if I can bring myself to pick him again. Yeah. Even with all this touted midfield time, he killed me last year.
1: Uh, one that's going on in the, the NAB Cup now,
0: Josh Caddy. Um, yeah, you
1: know, He's meant to be running through the middle and, and looking good at pre-season. He showed a bit in the end of last year, I thought. Um, Darling and Lacroix, I think, are both probably guys to have a look at.
0: Lacroix, he's very injury-prone in the last couple of years. And do you notice last year he seemed to lose his ability to kick goals? Like, his amazing accuracy? His set shot did definitely go away a bit. That was uh, frustrating. Hopefully another
1: year on his knee, uh, and it might improve a bit.
0: Yeah. Back to Dustin Munn. You mentioned that he gets a lot of the footy. With the new interchange cap this year, they've actually said out of Richmond that he might be going to a half back role. And what's your initial sort of expectations for that?
1: I have heard about it. It doesn't really make a lot of sense to me, though, considering how many half back flankers Richmond have got with Hooley and Ellis and Grig and you know, That's true, all, yeah. all these other guys. I don't even Delidio plays down there. I kind of think they might be teaching him some defence and. Uh, and he might play down there at times, but I reckon he'll probably be used all over the ground, in the forward line, in the middle, off the half back line. He'll be one of those guys that uh, can play a bit of everywhere,
0: a bit like a Jimmy Bartell, you yeah, think? Yeah. Bit... Yeah. So even if he does get set on the half back line, do you think he can average above the ninety-seven that he did, or do you reckon that'll be a bad thing or a good thing for his say? Say if uh, Hardwick came out tomorrow and said, "Yeah, we will put him in the back line," obviously in a in a looser role would you be convinced or would you just stay away from the whole risk factor? I'd probably still
1: start with him, but, yeah, uh, yeah it would be definitely a bit more risk. I don't think if he does play preliminary off the half-back, then he, he probably will attract a four-tag at times So he'd be pretty dangerous off there.
0: Although, yeah, you did mention that they have a lot of half-back flankers and obviously there's Cochin and Dolito running around, but that's a big thing for me is picking back-line players. They all seem to like virtual and... Uh, and guys like Enright at times, when they start dominating, they end up getting the tag. Is that...
1: They do. and That's you frustrating. Mean, definitely saw it last year with the guys that went on runs like, um, what's the Dockers guy's name again? Ibbotson. And, yeah. um Oh, and Churchill you had Hartlett and as well. Owen Hartlett did it and uh, even Hibbert and, and guys like this, they, yeah, they would they'd go on runs and get tagged out of it after a while
0: frustrating because you, you you pay a premium for a guy and you think he's, like I know virtual last year averaged something crazy over the first seven rounds like 120 and everyone's thinking god gotta get him in with my first upgrade because he's doing so well and then just to slide back into obscurity with the tag it's one of the reasons why I personally try not to upgrade too much in, or too quickly in the back line and get the more consistent guys has that been a thought for you or do you just get horses for courses whatever happens at the time?
1: Well there's a bargain I'll jump on them um uh... But I generally like to upgrade my midfield first and complete that as fast as I can because that's where the
0: points are. So the
1: points are. But yeah, you got to look out for for the odd bargain and the odd breakout, like jumping on an Ellis or or a Hibbert or someone like that that you can see is doing well.
0: Yeah. Just before we came on the show, you told me about a particularly funny story about how you've uh, ended up doing a couple of uh, uh, trade-ins and trade-outs. So you had Boyd. And then he's got injured and you trade him the week after. That's fine. Everyone had that sort of situation. But Jack Redden, what happened there?
1: Yeah, it was a pretty funny story. Uh, I had the flu that week and I was all dosed up in cold and flu tablets. Is and it really? uh, traditionally on the Friday night, I like to have a few beers before lockout. So my brain and my dangerous, was, uh, dangerous a little time. bit muddled, Yeah, And uh, I got a call 10 minutes before from a mate saying, Adlet's out. I'm like, nah, no, he's not. You're tricking me, you know. Bullshit. And then... Uh, I go in and it's all over Twitter because I hadn't checked Twitter or Facebook or anything. Yeah, you just like, want to chill uh, out and have
0: beers. You've made your trades, fair enough.
1: And um, yeah, so I, was, I had to quickly get log into, into Dream Team. I was like, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Scrolling through players and oh, Renam versus Gold Coast, that'll do. Bang, in. As soon as lockout finished, I was like, what have I done?
0: <laughs> I love yeah. how it's, it's Ablet, so you can pretty much afford any player and in. In your cold and flu tablet haze, you've picked Jack Redden, who probably yeah. hasn't been a premium for two years. No, and as soon as
1: lockout fit had come and gone, I, I didn't know why I did that. <laughs> it was just uh, one of those crazy moments.
0: And obviously you traded him the week out afterwards. I did, You yeah, weren't but, happy with his selection long term.
1: Uh, he got me 100, but uh, yeah, I think I traded him out for Joel Selwood or someone like that. Oh, you know, well. It, uh, it was just uh, one of those weeks. I was just in and out.
0: So no more. Uh, speaking of Selwood, uh, we're both Scott Selwood fans and we both started with him this year and, and obviously that paid off for all, much of the season before he got injured. He has been interviewed and, and said that he expects to go back to a tagging role, yet Adam Simpson said he doesn't know where that's come from. Is the uncertainty too much for you or will you still get on our boy? Uh, well,
1: he's been, to be honest, since that article, he has been in and out of my team. Yeah. Uh, I really want to start with him. How much <laughs> I talked him up and uh, what he meant. He was probably one of my main point of difference that won me that championship. Um, so I really do want to start with him, but he is much more expensive this year, and there is a slight risk. Last year he didn't tag at all. Really, he played accountable, but he still hunted the ball. Whereas if he is
0: purely playing as a tagger, then yeah, you're going to get the odd seventy. Changes things. Last year or last two years, since a couple of years ago, almost averaged like nine plus tackles a game. Last couple of years, he's been playing a bit more attacking. Could his tackles go up theoretically to the point where it was a couple of years ago and make up for the like expected drop in disposals?
1: I wouldn't think so because uh, I think the main pickup last year was his plus sixes. You know, he was getting around the ground pretty well in space. Stanton fashion. Just yeah, taking a few marks. He oh, he missed a few goals, but he had a few shots. At he got yeah, a terrible kick, but not um, most
0: Eagles last year, unfortunately.
1: But he was getting around the ground, uh, hunting the ball, taking some marks, and he still had his share of tackles as well. So yeah, I think it was second or third in the AFL.
0: Not bad for someone who obviously isn't playing that defensive role. Someone who did play the defensive role and did really well was Kane Corns. So I'm not sure if. You ever consider him over the course of the season? Do you reckon he could do something like that? Still so get the elite touches and the tackles while playing a defensive role?
1: For Kane Corns is there's there's one that I've never really owned. Um, no, nah,
0: I've hated him. I'll both yeah, Corns my whole life. So. Yeah,
1: but uh, yeah, I know a few guys have traded him what- like traded him in last year and he did really well Mappy. you know and i kept waiting for him same as a few other players to break down you know like, same as nick revolt yeah i sat there yeah exactly they kept like pumping 32. out these big scores i'm going no he's nice stuff he can't run and he looked like he was going to go off every game and no, nah, just still kept pumping out those scores
0: scooter this year pumping out scores like cane corns i'm calling it yeah I'm, yeah. I'm excited, and but to be honest, like he'd probably be out of my. I've been saying all preseason, I'm going to stay away from Dane Swan, but the more I think about it, and the more I look at the stats, and just think, how can I enter the season without Dane Swan, I start to my resolve starts to shake a little bit, and
1: well, <laughs> I think it'll help him now that you know all the taggers are going to Pendlebury and Beams. Absolutely, you know, they're, they're the two main damaging midfielders, even side bottom with the outside run. You know, so Swanee is not. The most damaging player with the ball in hand, so they tend to far from it, yeah. Tend to let him run around a bit, so he, he's been running a lot in preseason, so he should be pretty fit. And yeah, I'm starting with him. A
0: slimmer pig. Uh, he could also play forward as well, which is obviously a big advantage with the interchange cap. Do you reckon that could help, or either boost his points or help stop the the bleeding in terms of his age getting towards his score?
1: I think if he plays patches in the forward line, it's okay because he does kick goals, you know two or three goals in a quarter, but if he has to spend half a game there, then, yeah, no, his scores will suffer.
0: Yeah, that happened once or twice last year and we're all pretty um, upset.
1: I was at one of the games and I was just yelling yelling from the the sideline, get him in the middle.
0: No doubt you capped him that week. He was, yeah. Yeah, all right. All right, I think we'll cut it there. it's been great having you in hook thanks for coming over on the way i just want to get a big call of the week sort of see what you think might be uh something a little bit controversial that not many of us will uh, be thinking about i guess looking at all the teams and what other people
1: are and i guess my big call is starting with the the three big guns yeah uh, swan ablett and stevie i mean a lot of people are starting without all three of them let alone with three of them <laughs> So, uh, I'm doing
0: it wrong, I'm doing absolutely everything wrong at the moment. So
1: I guess that's um, a bit of a risk considering their price, but I think it's a, a good big call.
0: Alright, so you heard it here guys, make sure you get the three big dogs in, don't listen to me or anything I've said over this pre I've been going pretty much the exact opposite direction and what that will get you is not a spot inside the top thousand, so anyway Hook, thanks for coming on and uh, best of luck to you throughout the year, and any last words?
1: No, it's good. I always like uh, Tibetan's Bullets. <laughs> always one of my favourites to read. So well, it no, might be the in
0: this year, so we'll see what happens with time. Alright, guys, uh, have a good one and make sure you check out Dream Team Talk for all your fantasy needs. See ya. Cheers.